Okay. So this is part three on the Dalit Rabosi, the, the big Dalit. And we spoke last week about Kotz Vidardar. This idea that Hashem says after the sin in Gan Eden, the result is going to be itzavon, frustration. The, the state in which you work hard and you still don't necessarily get the results that you're expecting or looking for. And you get, you know, you plant and you plant and it starts to grow and it hails. And you plant and you plant and up comes thistles. You plant and you plant, up comes thorns. So you have to tear them out to get through to this. Uh, you're having children, and this for Chava, the, the Itzavon is having babies, and it's difficult, and it's hard, and then having children, and it's still difficult, and it's still hard. And why doesn't it just, if you're doing the right things, it should, if you do the right thing, it should just work out. But we have switched now to a state called Itzavon, frustration. Mayor Hirsch talks about this very beautifully. And that's exemplified by this pasuk. Rashem right. says, The kotz Thorns and thistles will sprout for you. Ve'achalta, and you will eat as Esav hasada, the grain of the field. So there's another aspect of this frustration um, that is, it, it's, part of, it's part of this definition of frustration. Not the way that I saw Rav Hirsch say it, although I'd have to go back and look, because often he will incorporate more than one idea and roll them together, um, which is clarity. So if you have, What sprouts is thorns and thistles. What you eat is the grass of the field. In other words, they're all growing together. And now you have to sort out. That's a level of frustration, right? It doesn't just come ready and smooth. It doesn't go smoothly. Mm -hmm. Even when you've got the grain, you have to sort it all out from the thorns and the thistles, which you really can't eat. So Rav Dessler, and this is like one of those sources I didn't go get. We have it here. We, we have it around somewhere probably in the room because Rabbi Goldberg brought it from the Kuntras HaBechira, where Rav Dessler defines Bechira as a process of birur, of sifting. Free will is a process of sifting out what is true from what is false. And when we get it really, really clear, really need to get that source out, we get it really, really clear what is true and what is false, then it, it's not really so difficult to do the right thing. Because it's really obvious, here's, what, here's the truth, here's what needs to be, and here's what's false, and it's nothing. If it's false, it's completely empty. So you have no desire to go there anyway. So the clarification of truth and falsehood is, is really Bechira. Bereira is Bechira. And I saw a different time, I saw in the Chassam Sofer on Tehillim, he, he says exactly the same thing. The Rambam says, and that's over here on the computer. 
I like that for Reyes Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Goldberg brought it really not long ago because he's doing now Kondras HaBechira. Um, okay. So the Rambam says that at the beginning, Adam was created able to see the difference, uh, not able to see, he saw the world as Emes and Sheker. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's how he saw the world. Like you, I'm sure you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. But then he ate from Eitz Hadas Tovara. And then it blurred. Right? And Das is experiential knowledge. The way that we experience and know the world is Tov and Ra. And there's a difference between seeing the world between Emes and Sheker and Tov and Ra. Because to- Emes and Sheker are absolutes. And this is also what the, what the Rambam says. He says they're absolutes. They're <laughs> They're describing what is. He says, good and bad, nobody says uh, the world is round. That's good. The world is flat. That's bad. And he uses different words like that's lovely and that's gross or disgusting. Mm-hmm. You don't say, oh, of now I've done these measurements, right? I, I, I put up a flagpole, and I measure the length of the shadow, and I can calculate, and the world must be round. And I say, oh, that's beautiful. I might say the experiment's beautiful, right? But the, the fact that I have now proven, let me say that's beautiful. And also, if your calculations are all wrong, nobody would say, oh, that's really, like, nauseating. Like, that really turns me off. That's bad. Okay. Good and bad is... <coughs> <coughs> a description of how we experience it. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to me? Emes and Sheker is a description of what it is, of the reality of it. So there's this other layer, and you, you, you could kind of like get a feeling of how these are all fitting together. There's frustration. Things don't always go so smoothly. Um, you work on something and the result doesn't come out. You know, even if it does come out, it's going to have thistles and thorns that have to be dealt with. Nothing goes a hundred percent, right? We people talk about like since since then, instead of black and white, I think I think people are probably basing it on this Rambam, even though that is really not what the Rambam is saying. Black and white, and now there's like so many shades of gray that it's always mixed together the good and the bad, right? I assume that that's based on this Rambam. What the Rambam is saying though is that it's. Emerson Shekhar, it's true or it's false. And he could see the world that way. He didn't see the world as bad and good. It wasn't about, well, how does it feel to me? It was about what is it? Which is interesting because I hadn't thought about that Rav Dessler in that light. Like really what Rav Dessler is saying is that using your Bechira is going back closer and closer towards the state of Adam Harishan is the effort and it takes a lot of work to try and understand what is true and what is false. But the closer you get to that, the easier the that process is the choosing process. Meaning, in doing so, you choose it. You don't have to make another choice at the end once you know Emerson Shekhar. Then it's obvious. So I guess that's also that idea that with Adam, it was so straightforward to just do the right thing. It was only after he ate from it that it became internalized, that Yetzirah, that idea, well, but maybe I really want it. Because it's that Yetzirah that deceives and that gives you some image and some concept that actually isn't true. I mean, we all, hopefully we don't know from these things, but people have like really serious type of problems. And 
things that will destroy their lives and the lives of everybody they care about. But in that moment, they, they accept a message from their Yitzhahara, from their Taiva, that says, now everything's going to be great. If you just follow through over here, your life is going to be good. You're going to feel good. Everything will be nice. And if they would stop and think... Different substances hmm. because they think that it's going to solve all their problems. It will solve their problem. It will feel good. But that idea that if it feels good, it will be good, that is a falsehood. I mean, all of the culture around us, how many songs in this world and how many movies are about that topic if it feels good it'll come be good but if you look at real life I mean I don't know why we need honestly why do we need songs and movies to tell us this our own brains will tell us this and it's false it's a falsehood Mm -hmm. because if you would stop and think or think about it in terms of any other person than yourself you'd say hang on this is never going to work out right if they have this affair then He's never going to respect her anyway. They're going to fight bitterly. It's for sure not going to go anywhere. They never meant it anyway. They, who knows, right? It's, gonna, it's never going to become something. There's never going to lead to happiness. All these people that you care about are going to be angry and bitter and rightfully so, and they will be right and you will be wrong. You're the one who caused the... And afterward, it's like, how did this happen? What was I even thinking then? You weren't thinking then. You were, you were following a message that was whispering in your ear, oh, but this will be good, right? Something is bothering you now will make it feel better now, and that will be good. It's not. Okay, this is the falsehood of that experiencing the world as good or bad instead of as true and false. Okay. Um, the Gemara... Gamar and Pesachim says, "Amar Rabbi Acha Bar Chanina, Loka Olam Hazeh Haolam Haba." This is also a source we brought before. Rabbi Acha Bar Chanina taught, "The next world is not like this world." In Olam Hazeh, Al Basurus Tovos Omer Baruch Hatovah Hametiv. In this world, on good news, we say Baruch Hatovah Hametiv. We bless Hashem who is good and does good. Valbasuras rose, and on bad news, Omer Baruch Dayan Ha'emes. We say, Blessed is the true king. Olam Haba, in the next world, Kulo Hatova Hametiv. It's all Hatova Hametiv. So, in light of what we just said, we really see this Gemara in a new light. First of all, you see that when, when it's good news, you say Hatova Hametiv, Tov. When it's bad news, you say Dayan Ha'emes, truth. Because you're saying it's true doesn't mean that's how you're feeling it. Because right. <laughs> truth and falsehood is not so much how we feel the world right now. Right. Our experience of the world is more about tov and ra and not so much about good and, and about truth and falsehood. Truth and falsehood becomes an intellectual exercise. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say exercise, I don't mean to minimize it. An intellectual effort that can impact our emotions, our feelings, and our deeds. And should, but it's something that happens in our mind. 
And it's not something that comes naturally, and it's not something that we just experience. But in the next world, everything is hatova hametiv, because it will be seen and understood as good, whether in this existence we would have said tov or ra. Because really, MS is what is tov. The real tov is MS. But in this world, we feel tov and ra, and we don't understand that, no, it's all about MS. Okay. So this brings us to Rav Hirsch on, in Parshas Kisisa. Um, actually, let me just review this sh- two sentences from Rav Hirsch in the Siddur on Hashem Echad. He says, in the word echod, the letter dalid stands out larger than the rest, apparently in order to prevent its confusion with the letter resh, which would make the word read not echod, one, but acher, another. The resh and acher, which stands for polytheism, is pliantly rounded, right? It's gradual. You move, you can have all these little shades of gray between the vertical and the horizontal axes of the resh. While the sharp angular dalit in Echad represents a sharp refutation of any alien ideology, it's up or it's across. There's nothing in between. It's true or it's false. And that's Echad. Echad says it's binary. It is or it isn't. Is that a false god? It isn't. <laughs> that's a false god. Okay. You take away the small sharp angle, the word Echad becomes Acher. And also, I'm just thinking that the two letters together, Resh and Dalad, is, you know... That's the Dardar. That's Kotz Vidardar. The Kotz is the little, is the thing that makes a Resh into a Dalad. Kotz Vidardar, that's me. But the Resh and the Dalad together is, if you get them confused, they're going to go down. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so the... Excuse me. And we said, <clears throat> Such, so much packed into letters. <coughs> so much packed in everything. Okay. Oh, and, and the other point of that Gemara is that in the next world, we see it as Kulatov. I mean, there's a, there's a level that is beyond the world we live in where we could actually see and experience everything, and it might be the same things happening, and yet we would experience them as different than how we see them now, as good and bad. Which now, we, that pulls together what we said about the Kotz Vidardar. What's the message of the Kotz? That little bit that changes the race to the Dalit. The, that message that the Kotz sings out into the world is, everything has a purpose. Nothing is actually purposeless, right? That was the message of the kotz. There's nothing bad. You think a kotz and dardar is bad? That's not bad. That's what's going to save you. Okay, so one way of understanding, and we don't have time to go into it, but you know, Hashem said, if you eat from the tree, pentamusun, don't eat from it lest you die. Right? You, you could die. Uh, you, not you could die, you will die. And then they didn't die. I mean, they did eventually, but hundreds of years later they died. Well, but also um, a part of them 
died, the part that was able to have a definitive distinction between Did it? Tobe and Ross. It died? Well, that... I don't know if it died. I think it's hidden. I think it's layered over. Uh-huh. I think the problem is that it gets layered over now with the Sahara, mm-hmm. and it's very hard work getting back into it. Mm-hmm. And even when you get back to it, it's, it's momentary. Mm-hmm. That, that's the process of the Bechira and the Barira. I don't know that it's gone. What has changed is this idea. So, so we say, okay, well, Adam could have lived forever with that aspect of infinity in him, and now he's going to die. But he's going to die and then come back. Meaning people do, in a way, live forever. Neshamas live forever. Souls are forever. So what is the threat that they're going to die about? So I think we read it as some, somehow like a threat. Like, if you do this, then that's it. You're out. You know? <laughs> You'll be out. And then, okay, you're out. That's it. Or, okay, I'll give you another chance. Or No. Hashem is saying, if you do this, you will die. The process of dying now becomes part of that reality. It's all together. The aspect of dying where something is dis, disassociated from all of its components and now it's going to like have to rebuild again and start over, right? That's the process that you're going into. And oddly enough, at the end of it, Adam sees his wife and he says, oh, she's Aim Kol Chai, mother of all life. He says, she's the mother of all death. But he says she's the mother of all life. Because Adam realized, well, Hashem said I'm going to die, but now I see there's also this idea that we'll have children. She's the mother of all life because I'm, not, I'm going to die personally, but I will have children and live on and they'll have children and live on. So there is a community of mankind that we are still here, even though the first man himself is not here. So that's one aspect of it. That, it even just thinking about it at that level, there's a lot of more layers to that and, and life after death and returning to life and resurrection. But even if we just stay with that, then the fact that they're going to die but it takes time it's not immediate okay that is a takes us back to tov and ra it takes us back to this idea that it's there's sort of an in-between stage now the minute a person's born they're on their road to death we start dying as soon as we're born we start living as soon as we're born we start dying as soon as we're born they're it's, it's gradual, 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 incremental, incremental. We hope it takes a really long time, right? But it's not that it has to be instantaneous because what has been introduced into our lives through this sin is this constant decay. This con- and so no matter how, how perfect you make it, it just keeps decaying again. It keeps frustrating again. It keeps getting hard again. Okay, so Rav Hirsch in Parshas Kisisa, which we're... Getting too faster than seems possible. Um, it talks about Moshe's request to Hashem. This is after the sin of the golden calf, after the Chayta Ego. Okay, so first of all, let me pull up that citation. Okay. Oh, I didn't bring it up. It's Brachos Zion Aleph, but I really want to have that. What do you use as your text library? As my? Your text library source. Um, so I put together the source sheets oh. from within Safaria, but I don't. Oh, 
Maybe it's here. I wasn't expecting to see it there. Like a template I, I thought I was going to the Dafyomi portal. Yeah. <laughs> Which lets you pull up here, Surasa Daf. This is an amazing page. You just like it's Surasa Daf. You just find you put in the Gemara and you put in the page. Wow. Yeah, it's really very helpful. So Zion on the page, right? And it just pops up. see that I'm in the topic, but I don't see the whole, I don't see the question itself. It doesn't help that I'm very tired. It's not going to put me in my best to see it. Okay. It goes to this question. Moshe says to Hashem, Hashem says to Moshe, you found favor in my eyes, the Eda Acha B'Shem. I know you by your name, which by itself is like a fascinating statement. Vayomar, and Moshe said, Show me your cupboard. So I wish I could do the whole section because it's stupendous. Like the whole thing, what does it mean to show me? What are you showing me? What's covered? What's, right? <laughs> All these things. The Iker idea of showing means something was not visible and now it becomes visible. So there's something that you can see. So if God's glory is being shown or seen, it means there's something which can be seen. In other words, that which proclaims that God is present, that which we see that would say that Hashem is present. And what he begs to be shown, the Gemara says, what is it he's asking for? Explain to me your ways. Why is it Sadik Veralo and Rasha Vitovlo? And Sadik Vitovlo and Rasha Veralo. He says all the combinations. Why is it that a righteous person, good people, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And why do good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people? Which is interesting. You wouldn't think that part's the question, right? So why is it, and he asks all four. Rav Hirsch explains, what is Moshe's question? And by the way, how does it get answered? Moshe is begging to be shown God's ways in the uniformity of their multiformity. He's saying, remember at the beginning of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and you said, Shmi Hashem lo nodati lahem. And they, the Avos walked with me and never questioned my ways, even when I promised them a land and then they had to pay for it. And right, all kinds of things that don't seem to be the fulfillment of what I promised them. 
Moshe is saying, wait a minute, you said you're going to reveal yourself to us as this name of God, Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. We're going to go through the process of Yitzhak Yitzhak and know Ki Ani Hashem. We're going to know. He says, I want you to show me the uniformity of the multiformity. If the name Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey is all encompassing, it's Hayahoveh and it's describing Hashem as the creator, this is the highest level name of Hashem that we're aware of, for us at least. Right? And if a name is that which describes Hashem's interaction with us, so he says, I don't, I don't understand. Like, how am I supposed to emulate you if I don't understand what's happening? <laughs> How's it, what, am I, what do we teach about you? What do we do with this name of God when everything seems to be Multiform. There's there's Hashem. There's Elohim. There's Rachamim. There's Din. There's Shakai. There's there, so what are we supposed to do with all this? You're telling us Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, but what we experience is a lot of different things. Okay, you understand that we're back in this point of what we experience is Tov and Ra, right? And for what is good, we're supposed to bless Hashem. And what is bad, we're supposed to bless Hashem. And somehow in the next world, we're supposed to see that it's MS. And it's Kulo Tova HaMetiv. And Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that even he doesn't see how it's Kulo Tova HaMetiv. He says, I don't know. I see Tzadik Ralo And I see Tzadik V'Tovlo. I see both. I see Tov. I see Ra. So how, Hashem, I want you to show me an indicator as to how is it that really behind it all, is you in a uniform way. It's Hashem Echad. Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. That's what he's asking to know. He will actually see, so Hashem says, he says Hashem's going to show him not only with words, but with a view. He will see, and while he is being shown, the word of God will explain the meaning of what he sees. But what he is to see is nothing other than to which his first request referred the ways of God in the uniformity of their diversity. <laughs> he says, it doesn't seem, if you read the Pesukim, that Hashem answered his request. What is the answer to that Gemara, in the Gemara, to Moshe's question about how it just seems like good things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and bad things are like, we're, we're looking for some kind of like story or movie where like right. it, it, it's clear that the bad things happen to the bad people and the good things happen to the good people and like it's really obvious and then there would be no choice, no difficulty, no conflict of choice because it's so obvious what's true and what's not true. So over here, Rav Hirsch explains his definition of tov. Tov is essentially a relative idea. Remember we said that Rambam says it's subjective. It's about how I experience it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if the question that Moshe is asking is, Tzadik viralo rasha v'tovlo, he's not questioning that everything Hashem does is good. He's questioning why is it that we experience in this world good and bad? It is all good. We get that. Or we don't get it, but we we could be confident in it. But we can't see it. So you're, you're saying that you're Hashem and you're never changing and it's all good, but what we experience is not all good. So how are we going to be able to relate to Hashem as all good when what we feel sometimes good and sometimes bad and 
Now remember, what did Hashem say? If you enter the state where you're going to be das tovara, experiencing your knowledge of the world as good and bad, then that's going to be accompanied by something else, death. You can't, that kind of life, you can't see through it. So in order to escape the cloudiness of that vision, that, that, that veil, you'd have to actually cross beyond it and get out of it. That would mean dying. You have to go through that passage of death. Okay. So good is essentially a relative idea. In itself, it is that of which well-being and happiness consists. Tov is that of which well-being and happiness consist. But this well-being, this happiness itself, is dependent on the characteristics of the particular individual whose happiness is to be achieved. It all depends on the person. There is now an interplay when we talk about what does it mean that something is subjective versus objective truth and falsehood, mm-hmm. when it's subjective and about the experience and how you feel it, then it's not a constant. You give the same thing to somebody and one person will experience it as good and one thing will person experiences it as bad and that is dependent on who they are and where they're holding. Inasmuch as God will make koltuvo, all of his goodness, pass before Moshe, Hashem says, Vayomer, ani avir koltuvi al ponecho, the karasi v'shem Hashem lefanecho. So he is answering him. Moses is to see the whole manifold diversity of the ways in which one constant uniform goodness of God is given to his creatures, especially to his human creatures. So Hashem's saying, What's trapping you from seeing the pure goodness is yourself. Not just that you're locked into your brain, it's also your physicality. In going in this direction, or you, have, you, you offer somebody, you're gonna put them in a three-star hotel. For somebody who's sleeping in the streets or for somebody who's living in a very, very rundown apartment, you move to a three-star hotel, it's a luxury. The sheets are clean, the beds are clean, there's a carpet, it's not too hot, it's not too cold, there's running water, there's hot and cold running water, there's running toilet that, that works, there's a sink, there's dressers, there's closets, you can put things away, there are windows, you can see outside, you can open shut, it's really nice. If you're somebody who's used to living in Bel Air and you get put in a three-star hotel, the sheets are scratchy. The carpet's not so clean. Nobody's dusted the furniture. The bathroom is really shabby. The linoleum is cracking. The grout hasn't been cleaned. It feels really gross. You've given the same. And the experience is completely dependent on the one receiving it. There's, there's an intersection now between the plane of what is given and the plane of the human being receiving. Okay. But it's not limited. At, the problem with my example is, so that's all about person's expectations. Okay. So that is one small piece of this whole puzzle. Because there's also the person's behavior that affects their ability to receive goodness. So it all could be pouring around you, and if your cup is the size of a thimble, how much of it have you captured? It is just the diversity of the natures of human beings 
brought about by their having been granted freedom of will. <laughs> because we have free will. And because we used it in that garden, <laughs> we're all really, really different because we're constantly making different choices from each other. And that makes a diversity of ways necessary in God's methods for achieving their true well-being. If every single person is absolutely different and individual, and Hashem wishes to give the maximum good to each person, then what each person has to receive is completely different and individual to match up to who they are. And we all know that things happen and that things happen that are very difficult. And sometimes if we're blessed, we can look back after one year or 10 years and say that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Baruch Hashem. But for each person who is each unique and different, which is a function of free will, then what Hashem needs to craft and provide to each of us in order to achieve true, real well-being is different. To the ordinary eye, these methods seem to be of a contradictory and contrasting diversity. The eye of Moses is to see the underlying uniformity in the diversity, the highest harmony of all harmonies, not just to get an idea of it, to grasp it, understand it, and actually see it. The Sephardo has a take on this. He points out um, that Hashem says, you cannot see my face, meaning you can't see clearly what I'm doing. You can't see me and live. You'd have to die for that. Okay? But Hashem also says, There is place by me. That's a different phase of life. <laughs> there is place by me, and you can stand over here and see. All right. I will make the whole diversity, God says, of my uniform goodness pass before you and bring to your understanding every nuance of this diversity by a special name of God which is appropriate to it. I, before your very eyes, I will exercise Hanina and Rachamim. I will let you see, Hashem says, mm-hmm. I will give Hanina to the one I give Chain to and Rachamim to the one I give Rachamim to. And like, well, well, yeah, I guess so. If you're giving Rachamim, it's the one you gave Rachamim to. You know. He says, I'm going to exercise my Hanina and Rachamim. I will let you see how differently, in different cases, my Hanina and Rachamim work according to the special characteristics of the one to whom I am granting them. I will not only show you how my, how my one uniform goodness manifests itself diversely as Hanina, as Rachamim, etc., etc., but how even the same manifestation has, again, diverse shades of difference according to the different individuality of the receivers. You are to learn how specified an individual my guiding care is. Ashkacha Pratis. It is just this specialized individual application of God's goodness that God's chain works differently according to Esasher Yachon, depending on the one to whom he is granting the grace. His Rachamim according to Esasher Yerachim, the one who is getting the Rachamim which escapes the insight of mortals who can only realize the general trend of conditions, but to which the true nature of any individual remains a closed secret. In other words, you know what really prevents us from understanding the, the uniform goodness of God's ways? It's that we don't even understand other people. <laughs> we don't understand people very well. Every person is really a closed secret to us. 
they know themselves way better than we do know them. And it's still, even to ourselves, we're very much a secret. We spend our whole life trying to understand ourselves. That is why we err so easily in judging the ways of God and forget that we're to our judgment, it seems, Tzadik Viralo, Rasha Vitovo. Right? In terms of the judgment of the person, what kind of person is this? We can only be mistaken in our estimation of Tzadik Virasha. <laughs> Certainly, we lack the ability to be certain in any given case to state with certainty what is Rallo or Tovlo. Because we don't know if the person's a Tzadik or a Rasha, let alone what's good for him, what's not good for him. Only the deepest insight into the true nature of any individual can be sure in what, what in real truth, what the emiss is of Tov and Ra. Looking at it in this way, both the views given on this matter in the Gemara are correct. Rabbi Yossi says the solution to the problem of Sadiq was given to Moshe, and Rabbi Meir says even to Moshe it remained unsolved. <laughs> Talk about uniformity of diversity. He just yeah. resolved it. Yeah. He just said it's diverse answers that are really coming from the same answer. Even if Hashem showed him the answer by letting him see the specialized individuality meted out in his conduct of affairs, as lies in the words of Achanosi as Asherachon, nevertheless, the limited human insight, even of a Moses, is not able to judge the conduct of God in any specified case. Even if Hashem shows him that it's all his goodness flowing down, even Moshe can't know everybody well enough to see on the receiving end exactly how it fit together. So it's both. Unbelievable. Amazing. Amazing. So, and so true. And so rigorously true. And, and opens up a whole new world of, of relationship to people and to Hashem. It, it opens everything up. It opens us up where we're closed. Just like, um, what's that book called? Um, the Other Side of the Story. It's yeah. Um, or Mrs. Samet, the other side of the story, right? With the, with like Don Lakavzachus, right? There's so much, and those are such. If we think about it, that's such a shallow differences between people, right. and it's where we get told about what the difference is. And even so, we don't understand what's going on. It helps us remember we don't know. That's a good example. Okay, Hashem says, "Hinei If we understand these words rightly, He indicates with these words in the most poignant manner the loftiest heights, but at the same time the limit to which the human mind can soar. Not to see God, but to see the earth and earthly conditions. To see man and human conditions from God's point of view. That's the loftiest height that can be reached by human minds here below. And accordingly, it is the one goal up to which all men should strive. What we strive is not to understand God. That's way beyond us. So we don't throw everything into that. Everything about the Torah, everything Hashem is teaching us is how to understand the earth and people on it from God's point of view. He's, I love the way he says it. It is the most, it's the loftiest height and it's also the limit. One and one only point of view exists as the highest goal to be attained by the highest human mind, even for a Moses. Only one point of view, and that is not to try and get a sight of God, but elevated by God and godliness to look at men and human conditions from a height, next to God, near to God, from God's point of view, to understand and appreciate all men and all conditions of human life. 
not at me, not up to me, next to me, is the standpoint you are to look at things. Place yourself high up on the rock, look down from the earth from a height to get a glimpse of the earth, a glimpse of understanding the mighty guidance of God in human conditions. And then Hashem says, reveals to him these names, the Yud Gimel Midos, the different Midos, the different forms of interaction which are experienced by us on earth of God's interaction with us. Moses sought the uniformity in all this multiform diversity. He had presumed to desire to lay hold of this uniformity, this unity at its very source by a direct sight of the personal godly being himself, so that from this direct sight he could gain insight into the harmonious uniformity of the apparently diverse ways of God's rule and government. This knowledge was denied him, but the divine uniformity and all the diversity of his rule and the diversity arising from the uniformity he was to see and be taught to understand. This is now here shown to him and explained to him. What he actually saw remains unknown to us. But the words, right? He said he's going to see something, and Hashem will use words to explain it. What he saw, we have no idea. But the words, the names by which that which he saw was explained to him are told to us. And those we can try stammeringly to follow and attempt some understanding of them. And I'm not going to, I mean, it's got the whole 13 meters, but the piece that I do want to end off with over here is Hashem, Hashem. Because there's 13 meters, and two of them seem to be the same. Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, Vechanum. That is the unity, the oneness, the uniformity of all the manifold variety of manifestations of God in his ruling. The name by which he announced himself to us after he created the completion of the, after he completed the creation of the physical world as the continuing creator in the moral world of history of mankind, which he then introduced. In it, this name, this conception of God, we find uniformity in the manifold and various forms which the manifestations of God's ruling the world and mankind takes. I really want to, I'm sorry to make a copy for you. I will bleed another afterward. The manifold variety is brought about by God having given man freedom of will, hence his ability to err, and the possibility of his losing his way and of his defection in every possible degree in any given phase of the development of the individual and mankind in general. We can totally go off. We can lose it completely because we just choose the bad things. We choose what's wrong and there we mess up. Hashem remains Hashem. Hashem, Hashem. He remains Him. Ruling the world for the education, which means ruling the world for the education of men and mankind up to the ultimate solution of the problem of happiness in the future. In other words, that is the name of chesed. It was, it is, it always will be. Hashem is unchanging. And no matter how messed up and far off and lost any person or all of mankind gets, it doesn't change that he is continuing to rule the world with chesed to educate people to the ultimate happiness in the future. That never actually changed. This name gives us a conception, a thought, in the light of which Kol Tuvo, the universal goodness of his ruling for men and of his work for mankind, can be presented to us. It is always the same goodness, always working for the goal of happiness and salvation of men and mankind. Whether it manifests itself as Kale, Rachum, Hanun, Erech Apaim, Rav Chesed, Emes, Nozer Chesed Lalofim. However, it has to manifest itself, it is always coming from Hashem, Hashem.
It's all one, the same. Okay, that's truth. That is just truth and our experience of it filtered through the plane of wherever, who we are and where we are and the choices we've made and the actions we've taken and the limitations even of just being human. So this brings us back around just briefly to Rabbi Akiva, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad and reaching a level of that at death. So one aspect of that level is because the level of giving his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem. So that could only happen when he was giving his life, Al-Kiddush Hashem. But we understand that it's now more than that. It's something that only could be witnessed at that time of death. Mm-hmm. There's a level of Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad that cannot be reached earlier than that. That's just the limitation of being human at this stage. And that I saw suggested by Rav Kulitz is why Rabbi Akiva is the one who is Zohar to teach us to say Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad at death. Because it's testimony, right? It's the Aleph, the Ayin and the Dalit are both big. It's testimony. It's eyewitness testimony. It has to be what you've seen and know. So there's a degree to which we strive to it our entire lives, and in doing so, we hope that we will achieve at that final opportunity a real vision of it. And in that vision, he was able to give us an eyewitness testimony of it. And so from him, we can learn that that is so, that that is truth. Well, it's also kind of comforting because there's this constant that we can always come back to. And it's unwavering. And no matter how, as you said, how far we get, so we can always find ourselves, find a way back. And even if it's on a daily basis, we know we have that. Yeah. And to the reassurance of knowing that no matter where I have fallen to, Hashem isn't changing. Everything He is doing and giving to me is for the purpose of educating me back to real happiness and good. And it doesn't change. And even if I, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to deserve that education. There's no, there's no degree to which I fall where I suddenly now no longer qualify. Hashem wants me to have good. Right, and also like Moshe at the snap, when um, Hashem says to take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. So I know there's many, many before Shimon, but one of the things that might be the Svasamas that Charlie and I learned together is that the act of doing what Hashem wanted you to do elevates you. And the fact that Hashem says, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground, it's that, that action that transformed the quality of the place. Interesting. Amakom Kadosh. So that we all have inside of us the ability to transform, transform the place. we are. Yeah. To, to bring that little bit of Kedusha with us. The verse says, Adam and Adama. So we tend, the way we usually explain it is, he's called Adam because he was made of Adama. Right. He said, but if you think grammatically, Adam is the root. Adama is the conjugate of the root Adama. Right. He says, Adama is 
is made of what it is, so to speak, by Adam. Right. Adam is, man is made of earth, and in our actions, we then give the quality and merit and holiness to the earth right. through that. So if, like our mantra is always that, you know, our job is to bring Kedushan to the world, our job is to elevate every place we go and to the people around us. So it's a whole different mindset of how we look at the world. It's also how we look at our situation. If I'm in some situation, Maral says, like, if you're in a situation where you never should be, like, what am I doing here? Then you have to ask yourself, what am I doing here? There's some reason I'm here. There's something I have to contribute to this situation. That's what you're saying, right? There's something that I can, that I am placed here to be able to contribute to make holy over here. So what is it? Which is a whole different way of thinking about yourself and where you are. Not what do I get out of this or how am I feeling it, but what do I contribute to it? Okay, so I hope next week we'll start Baruch Hashem. Thank you. Um.